last week it was, um, I know that what I preached on, it had a, uh, a difficultness, even though that's not a word to it. Um, and I know that like several people said, man, you don't know the tension you created in my life. And it's hard to look at somebody and say, well, I'm glad. Because I don't mean it like um, in a, a sadistic kind of a way. I don't mean it that way at all. It's just that I, we should have a tension here. We should constantly be in a tension of how am I truly going to please Jesus Christ? Um, I remember that when I was a kid, my dad was like, he was Superman. My dad was able to jump tall buildings in a single bound. He was faster than a you know, speeding bullet. Uh, he was just all these things. And when my dad used to do things together, you know, he would always have this phrase that he would say to me, don't worry, I got you. And you know, you'd be on the diving board and you're looking out in the water and he's waiting out there and he's you know, like, come on, I got you. And you're like, ugh. You know, what'd you do? You'd jump and he'd let you struggle for a while but he'd pull you up. And, and it was just that thing where you know, he's like, I got you. And then you'd do other crazy things with your dad and you know, he'd, dad just had this thing that you could do it with him because he's like, I got you. And I remember one time my, my dad was a farmer and we had a, we had a combine and you were way up there. And my dad got down below me, you know, and this is like the first time it's like, okay, this isn't just water I'm leaping into. And he goes, come on, I got you. And it's that thought like, oh gosh. I was finally at that point old enough that my, I knew my dad wasn't Superman anymore. But I jumped, you know, and I remember jumping and my dad catching me, you know. And it was just that thing where it's like, I got you. And I, and I feel like so often, like what I was talking about last week is I'm in, I'm in a desperate battle to try to present to you a God, a daddy that says, I got you. I got you. Go ahead. I'm here. By faith, jump. I have you. And, and what I hope to present to you is that isn't it amazing that God has created a framework of biblical Christianity that says, go ahead. See, before we came to Christ, it's like, oh, but my sin is so great. And he goes, cool, I got that. And he put his son on a cross. Then we say, oh, but, but gosh, no, I, but I'll probably fail. And he goes, that's okay. If you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Yeah, but I don't know if I'll be able to pull this off. It's hard work. And he goes, yeah, well, that's why I raised my son from the dead. See, I wanted to prove to you, if I can raise somebody from the dead, I can do anything. I can do it all. And so go ahead. I got you. It's all right. And in your life, there's some people that God is going to ask you to do some things because you're further along in your walk. When I was a two-year-old, my dad was not asking me to do the same things as when I was a seven-year-old. That's, that's all right. And some of you last week felt that pain of me looking and saying, what if you sold your house? And you're like, hey, loser, I'm just still trying to figure out the quiet time thing, all right? <laughs> Whoa, big daddy. And that's all right. That's all right. Where you are, I, I trust that God knows you better than I know you. And what God's going to do is, is he's going to ask you to take the steps of faith that are for you. And he may look at you. He looked at a rich young ruler that came up to him and said, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus put in front of him, he said, well, obey the law perfectly is basically what he said. And the guy goes, well, I've done that since I was a kid. Yeah, right, loser. And then Jesus goes, okay, fine. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And the rich young ruler says he walked away. <laughs> I'm imagining the apostles, the disciples, because it says they walked up and they're like, whoa, hey, Jesus, <laughs> who can do that? And he goes, he says this amazing thing in Matthew 19, 26. He said, with men this is impossible, 
but with God, all things are possible. See, this is what God has created. He's created this, this amazing family called, the, and he's called us children. And he's daddy saying, go ahead, do it. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah, but, 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 but God, oh, won't you finally give up on me? And he goes, no, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. I have sealed you with the Holy Spirit. I have you forever, Romans 8. He comes in and he says, and there's nothing that can separate you from my love. Just go, do it. And so this week, my goal, I know last week, nobody came up to me and told me this, but I heard through the grapevine that were, there were some upset people. Um, I didn't wake up that morning and think, oh, Lord, help me really tick people off. I just really want to, come on. That wasn't my goal last week at all. Um, my biggest fear is that all of us are going to get to the end of life and go, did I waste my life? That's like something that I'm constantly in my own heart trying to think through is, did I live a life that was wasted? And Jesus, and I want you to go to Matthew 5, because I think Jesus is going to help us walk through this wasted life concept. And in Matthew 5, he, he lays out this idea of, let me tell you what the life is that I'm asking you to live. And in Matthew 5, 21 through 48, it's like he takes the bar and he just throws it up to the ceiling. This bar that none of us can ever reach. That, that it's, it's this bar that, we, that at the end he gets to verse 48. And this is what he says. Look at 548. Now imagine being there. He gets done with all this and he says, be perfect. Does anybody else feel weird about that statement? Hey, so anyways, uh, in light of all this, just be perfect. Now see, the real thinking person should think this. You know, Todd, that sounds impossible. See, that's what the real thinking person should be doing right now. You mean Jesus says, be perfect. And Jesus is like, uh-huh, be perfect. But the thinking person should also realize this. I understand that we cannot be perfect, but the real question is, is am I in a constant battle to be perfect? Am I in a constant state of pursuing and passionately? See, what happened was, is when Jesus Christ hung on the cross, paid the penalty for my sins, rose again, is that positionally now how God sees me is he sees me absolutely perfect. He doesn't see me, he sees his son. And now what Jesus is going to come in and do, and he's going to say, look, but now become who you are. You be perfect. But Todd, that's impossible. Yes, with men this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. How am I going to do it? It's impossible. You're trying to tell me that Jesus Christ being raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit, that somehow God's like in heaven going, yeah, how am I going to do that? Woo! Doozy. No, it's this constant battle. And look at 6.1 though. Right after he says it, he says, be careful. See, Jesus is going to tell us something. There's two ways to try to pursue this perfection. And there's one way that is going to cause you heartache and pain and trouble and you're going to get to the end of your life in this whole pursuit of perfection and you're going to go, crud, I just wasted my life. And then there's this other way, there's a hidden way, a secret way, and I'm not talking like mysterious, but I'm talking this way that is just between me and God and it's this way in which my father, he's going to see me in secret, we're going to talk about this, but there's another way that I get the applause of the father. I get to the end of my life and I realize I did it right. I did it how God called me to live it, not how the world did. 
And Jesus says, be careful. And look why he says that. He says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness. All these things in chapter 5, these being perfect, these acts of being right, but be careful not to do it before men, to be seen by them. See, this Greek word to be seen by them, is this, it's called thetomai. It's, it's, it it's where we get our, our word theater from. What he's saying is, is, he's looking at everybody and he's saying, look, there is this perfection that you're called towards, but don't pursue this perfection like it's a show. See, what we have a tendency to do is, is we realize we can't be perfect, so we try to look perfect. And he's going to use this word hypocrite, which is this concept that actors used to put a mask on their face to try to be te- pretend to be somebody that they're not. And he's saying, as we're looking at this, and as you're about ready to think through this be perfect thing, don't just be, don't look perfect, but he's going to say be perfect. Don't put on a show. Now look down in verse 2. And he's going to pull into this three things that God's given for the church to, to know and love him and pursue him, but then look how he uses it. He says, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. Look at verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, the actors, the fake people, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by men. Look at verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. See, the most difficult thing about biblical Christianity is authenticity. You know why I look forward to heaven? And some of my group said this this morning. Is they said, I finally won't have to be fake anymore. Wouldn't that be nice? Do you realize how much hard work we put into being fake? How long did you spend in front of the mirror this morning? Now, trust me, I'm glad you did. Because I saw myself in the mirror and you would have not appreciated what, what I had going on this morning. All right? When you walked in, we had this tendency to walk in and go, hey, how you doing, huh? I'm good, I'm good, yeah, I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing so good, brother. Right? Can you imagine, though? It's, it's like this fakeness that we portray that, can you imagine if somebody said, hey, how you doing? Well, Monday I struggled with pornography. Tuesday I got drunk, beat my wife. You're like, hey, too much information. Really didn't want to know. But there'll come this time that that we finally, when I get to heaven, I won't have to try to pretend to be somebody anymore. I'm counseling a young man. He got himself into just massive amounts of debt. And he and I are talking through this, and he goes, Todd, he goes, that's it. I go, what, Nick? He goes, the whole thing behind why I got into debt is I was trying to pretend to be somebody that I wasn't. I was trying to pretend to be a rich person, and I'm not. See, we try to pretend to be good parents. We try to pretend to be good husbands, and we pretend to be good wives. We try to pretend to be all these things. And have you ever noticed how much work it is to try to pretend? And the beauty of as we get older is that we still worry about it, but like my grandpa's at that place. He just doesn't care. I love my grandpa. It's like, here, here's who I am. I mean, he'll start dressing in front of you. You know, that means it's time to go home. Not that he still doesn't struggle with it, but there's something as we mature in life, we start to understand what's important and what's not. And Jesus is walking through and he's saying, look, I know you want to do this perfection thing, 
But by doing it in this way, all you're doing is looking to the outside world like you're perfect. And he goes on, go back to verse 2. Why? Why do we do this? He says in verse 2, we do this to be honored by men. Look at verse 5. We do this to be seen by men. Look at verse 16, or verse 17. Or yeah, I meant 16, wherever I'm at. I, uh, they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting, to show. It's a show. Do you know, back at this time, they literally used to pay people to show up and mourn at funerals. What they would do is, is they would hire like about 10 or 15 people, and these people would just come in, and they would disfigure their faces, and they would, you know, throw ashes all over themselves, and they would rip their clothes. They literally would design their clothes with hems so they ripped easier, kind of like the breakaway jerseys back in the 70s. They would, you know, they'd tear their clothes, and they'd be like, oh, you know, and the people around them were like, yeah, that's how I feel. That's why I hired you to come make me feel this way. Come here. And we would feel bad together. And Jesus is like, don't go down that path because once you go down that path, you want it more and more and more and more. See, the praise of man is a funny thing. See, my biggest fear standing in front of all of you today is is that somehow you might not get to the end of it and go, that was stupid, wasted my time, I'm going to go tell him about it. I try so hard every time that I come up and speak and, and to make sure that I'm like, God, if this is about you, but I'm always conscientious of people around me and what are they thinking and, and this is battle, okay, oh, should I say that? What if people get mad? Should I? And I work myself into a frenzy and he lays out these three things of giving and of praying and of fasting, these beautiful things and he says our problem is, is we even tend to make those towards men. In verse 2, he gets down there and he says, I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Verse 5, I tell you the truth, they will have received their reward in full. Verse 16, I tell you they will have received their reward in full. Do you know today if I stand in front of you and at any point I'm doing this because I want you to applaud me, I have lost my reward completely because that's all I'll get. That's it. And in our life, if we can do it with the most sacred things of, of praying and fasting and giving, how much more can we do it with everything that we have? When I was a kid, I remember so much, we had this gigantic hill at our house. And it came down, and then my house sat on the corner, and it curved around, and you could then keep going. And, and I, I was this guy that I just got a brand new bike, banana seat, tall flag that stuck up in the back. It had the cards that today are probably worth about a million bucks because they were great baseball players that I'd attached to it, you know, and I'd drive around. <laughs> and I took my bike up to the top of the hill, and this was at the day and age when Evil Knievel was big. And I was so convinced, I am Evil Knievel. And all my friends are sitting up at the bottom of the hill going, yee, wee, wee, and I'm like, yeah, woo, yeah. I love the applause of man. And I'd get on my bike, and I remember I was just like, I'm going down the hill, turn the corner, hit the jump, and as I'm in the middle of the air, suddenly the praise of men did not matter to me. <laughs> I landed my bike. I was skinned up. I'm like, Mommy! You know, I was just like, oh! And the first guy I had to tell about my bike was my daddy. And let me just tell you, I did not get the praise of daddy. 
See, as I live this life and as I, as I situate myself in such a way that I'm not worried about the applause of man, in other words, if I decrease the applause of man and I increase the desire for the applause of God, I start to get like a framework and a grid into my life that tells me what I should and I shouldn't do. It's not there to, to make my life miserable. It's actually there so that I won't be standing at the top of the hill proverbial of life and my friend's going, yay, and I'm riding down the hill and I'm in the middle of whatever I've just done and went, okay, that was stupid. I shouldn't have taken that job. That was a stupid thing to take that job. It kills me. It kills my family. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have, whatever it is. I mean, I don't, I don't know where you're at in life, but look now how Jesus solves this dilemma. He says, don't do this. Be careful. Don't go down this road. Don't try to please men. Don't try to create a facade. Instead, verse 3, but when you give to the needy, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Look at verse 5 or verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's in heaven. Look at verse 17. When you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your Father who's unseen. I'm at this place in my life that God has been working me over. That I'm just kind of sick of the applause of men. You know how shallow it is? And I just want to know that Daddy in heaven is applauding. See, because he comes down in through here, and in verse 4, he says, So that your giving may be in secret, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will do what? Reward you. Look down, verse 6. Then your Father who sees what is in secret will reward you. Look down at, seven, er, uh, at uh, 18. So that your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I'm just at a place where I've realized, and some of you are going to go, well, no, duh, loser, and that's fine. Just put up with my idiocy. The fulfilled life is knowing that I have the applause of God. That's the fulfilled life. It's knowing that in everything that I've done, I haven't just done it willy-nilly. I haven't done it to try to impress people. I haven't done it for all these other reasons, but I've taken myself back and I've gone first like I should have to my father and said, hey, Dad, what do you think? Should I ride down the hill, go off the jump? Because he probably would have looked at me and said, uh, stupid. And what I was talking about last week and what I'm going to try to convince everybody of this week is, is that as I increase my view of God and the reward of the Father, I desire those things more than I desire these earthly things. And as I desire more of this, this reward of the Father, suddenly I start to make wise decisions. And as I make wise decisions, even though the rest of the world might think they're stupid, I may not hear the applause of man. I may not get the attaboys. I may not get the way to go sport but I'll receive the, the joy of the Father. It's that thing of knowing you may not get it now because if you look down in it, do you realize that all those are future tense? You will receive the reward of the Father. You will, you will, you will, future tense. See, there's something about the resurrection in heaven of God looking at you after all this life and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's cool. As a little kid, I sought everything that I could to find praise from my dad. I used to love it when my dad would go, man, Todd, that's such a good job. That is so good. And I went out of my way. I mean, even my sports life, to be honest with you, I was trying to make my dad happy. 
And now that I'm at this point in my life, I realize I'm not trying to make my earthly father happy. But how much more passionately should I pursue it with my heavenly father? And I know some of you are saying, but Todd, I, I can't. And I say to you, with men, this is impossible. Without God, all things are possible. But Todd, you don't know, understand my situation, my financial condition. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Todd, you don't understand my marriage. I know. With men, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. But Todd, you don't understand my terminal disease. And to you I say, it's all right, Daddy's got you. See, there's something about this life and knowing that as I walk with the Father, as knowing is that I please Him and pursue Him and learn Him and know Him and love Him, that as I take these steps of faith, you have God down there going, it's all right, I got you. I got you. If you mess up, that's all right. You confess your sins. I'm faithful and just to forgive you your sins. Don't worry, I won't let go. And I don't even know where each of us are at in this precipice of life. I don't have a clue. But the thing I know is no matter what happens, I know the Father's got you. And he's going to ask you this week. I know. I know. Even some of you right now probably are thinking, okay, what is he then asking me to do? And, and I don't even know what it's going to be, but all I can say is jump because what? Daddy's got you. It's all right. And even if it is just having a quiet time this week, jump because daddy's got you. The best thing that happened to me this week was getting up and having to feed a kid at three in the morning. Now, let me tell you, at the time, I was not happy. The first two foster kids we had were kind of like the, eh, eh. The next one is like, you know, and you're like, oh. And I told my wife, you know, hey, I'll take care of these early morning. Stupid. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and I got the baby in my arms, and I'm like, you stupid good from now. I tell you what. You, I love you. You better tell me I'm great one day. I tell you what. But you know what happened this week? I was complaining about lack of time to pray. And God wake, woke up a baby almost every morning at three and says, I'll give you time to pray. <laughs> Amen? It's just that cool. What's the, what are you going to do with the baby? I mean, it's not like you can go, hey, so how you doing? Great. Yeah. So 10 days old. Woo! Crazy. Anything new in life? It was so good. And I think that as we pursue these things to try to impress people, we miss just these simple realities, doing the unseen things that only our daddy sees and inheriting the reward of a daddy that says, it's all right, I got you. Now here's how I want to finish. First of all, uh, if I've upset anybody, um, my goal this morning, like I said, was not to upset you. If I upset you, then I just taught the text, and so I'll let you go be upset with Jesus about what he said. Um, I'll let you take it up with him, because um, if you come to me, I'll probably say, well, have you talked to Jesus about it? And if you say no, then I'll, I'll give you a hug and give you a noogie, and then you can do it back to me. But what I'd like to do is on a piece of paper, I'd like you to write down what you think is keeping you from really trusting Daddy. Just real quick, and what we're going to do is here in a little bit, I'm going to have you actually hand it off to a person, so be careful what you put down. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I was going to go somewhere I shouldn't have. But write it down, and write down what is really keeping me this week. 
and you're going to hand it off to a person. I'm going to give you three or four minutes to pray through it and think through it, and you're going to give it to this person, and trust me, when you get this piece of paper, here's how I want you to treat it. I want you to treat it as if this person's life is in your hands. I want you to treat it like gold. And if you need to, to wake up at three in the morning to pray for them, because that's the only time you have to do it. If you need to skip a lunch to fast, do it. Because if you, let me show you something in this text before I get out of here. Does, do you notice it doesn't say if you give or if you pray or if you fast? It says when you give, when you pray, when you fast. See, the thing about fasting that I've noticed in our culture is we treat it as if. When the Bible says, no, there's an assumption, you're fasting. And so even this week, I'd love for you to consider as you get that piece of paper and you're looking down at it, skip a lunch, take a walk wherever you are. Even if you're in downtown L.A., beautiful, downtown L.A. Grab that piece of paper and just go cry out to God for that person. So I'm going to give you about three or four minutes, then we're going to come up and finish. So uh, also, I'm going to be passing around. I'm going to have the guys come forward and pass around the offering. Um, I guess all I can say is give. Like Daddy says, it's all right, I got you this morning. Uh, and so take your time, put it down, and I'll be after, back up in about three or four minutes. Make sure you find somebody to hand that off to, even if you don't know somebody next to you. The good thing is you don't know them. Um, that means they don't have any preconceived ideas, so you could put down on there, man, I struggled killing kittens this week. And so, <clears throat> here you go, I'm kidding. Um, I just want to throw something at you. First of all, um, let, me, let me start by saying this. <clears throat> Before you get to this book, make sure you start with this book, okay? Like, so as I say everything I'm about to say, Always, this is, this is my, my, my encouragement. It's the, the Bible is a great book. It was written by a person named God um, through men. Kind of a fabulous story. You should read it. <clears throat> um, I don't know if you've ever read The Knowledge of the Holy. Uh, it's by a guy named A.W. Tozer. And uh, it's a book that once a year I sit down and I read. And uh, in it, he says something really interesting. And I just want to read you a couple things about it. Tozer says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. No religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. The most important fact about any man is not what he at any guy, at given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move towards our mental image of God. And only after an ordeal of painful self-probing are we likely to, to discover what we actually believe about God. This whole thing that I'm calling us to, I understand, is painful. Uh, last service, I looked at a lady and she goes, I don't even want to think about heaven because it hurts my brain. But we have to. And in this, I think Tozer hit it so well, is that whatever image we throw out there of God, of him truly being the rewarder, of him truly being our father, of him truly being that one that we're pursuing, we gravitate towards whatever that image is. And so well, let me tell you something. When I first came to Cornerstone, the thing I love about this church is I believe that anybody that stands up here, their goal is to create in your minds a greater picture of God than you had when you entered. I think Francis, that's one of the things that's been gifted so much, he's been gifted so much to do is to create that big image of God. But on your own time, when you're not here, you need to also increase that image of God increase it increase your view of him increase your your desire for him your love for him your passion for him because as you increase that you're going to be shocked what god's done in your life what he's going to do in your life then the last thing is this 
I know we did service a little weird today, and that's okay. Because part of it is, is that we come in here sometimes and we end up not worshiping God, we worship the music. We like the feeling of it, we like the emotion of it, we like it because we like it because that's what we can put on our dial when we want to to make ourselves feel good. My goal and Jim's goal was to give you a time that you could do on your own. This is something you could do every single day. You could sit down with your wife, you could sit down with your kids, even if you even want to stomach through grabbing this and putting it on a DVD and watching it again and looking at my spouse and going, what do you think? What do we need to change? How can we do it? How do we pray for each other? All those different things, do it. You can do this on your own. And, and trust me, I, I had to learn guitar because I was a youth pastor, but every time I play guitar, people are like, ugh. Every time I sing, even in the shower, my wife's all like, Hey, could you turn it down in there? I know God made me and he wove me together wonderfully, but I, sometimes I wonder if God wants to hear me sing, if you know what I'm saying. But I can do this every single day. It's easy. And so as you go out this week, make sure hand it off. Make sure that as you, you pray for this person, that piece of paper, man, make it valuable. And the last thing is, and I would like everybody just to stand up real quick. Just stand up. I just want to tell you this before, and then you can go. No matter what decisions you've got to make this week, Daddy's got you. Do you believe that? Amen. We'll see you.